Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, where we tackle the challenges of raising teenagers without the drama. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. As parents of teens, we're constantly dealing with a whirlwind of emotions, responsibilities, and expectations that seem to never let up. Whether it's the stress of school, the drama of social life, or just trying to keep their screen time in check, the struggle feels endless. That's why I'm really excited to have Cheryl Gould, the founder of the international organization Moms of Tweens and Teens, joining us today. She's got some fantastic tips and tricks to help us tackle our own overwhelm and support our teens through theirs. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Dr. Cam. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, absolutely. So let's get started first with a quick story, backstory. What inspired you to start Moms of Tweens and Teens? Wow. Well, (laughs) it was out of my own story and my own struggle when my daughter, who's my oldest, who is now 33, I cannot believe it, when she hit the tween years. And she was very strong-willed and she hit the tween years and I was really struggling with her. She didn't want to get out of bed. She was feeling depressed. She didn't want to go to school. We were having all kinds of power struggles and arguing and fighting. And so I thought, I'm going to take her to counseling. I'm going to get, you know, fix her and then we'll get everything straightened out. And I took her to counseling. And very shortly after that, the therapist started inviting me into the room at the last 10 minutes. Surprising. (laughs) And it became very clear to me that it was me that needed Mm -hmm. the help. And there was a therapist that would walk through the office when I was waiting for my daughter and she would smile and she'd stop and talk to me. And I called her and I said, I would love to meet with you. And she was leading a mom's group. And so after meeting with her for a period of time, she said, I think you would be a great addition to this mom's group. And I joined this mom's group and the moms were sharing their challenges, their struggles. They would bring something that they needed support with and we would talk about it and process it and cry or talk about, you know, what we were feeling. And it changed my life. And it changed my parenting. It changed how I saw myself. It changed how I was reacting and really got me in touch with a lot of my unfinished business that I had dealt with for so many years that was impacting the way that I was parenting my daughter. And it, it just shifted so much. So out of that, I started leading the therapy practice, actually said, we would love to train you to lead a group with another mom that was in the group. And so I started leading that group with this other mom. They were training us, teaching us how to run groups. And I loved it. And it was so gratifying to see these moms and them growing and them supporting each other that then it, then I started groups outside of the practice. And it was interesting because the moms that were coming had tweens and teens. 
-hmm. And they were very lonely and they were feeling very isolated and they didn't want to tell anybody what they were struggling with because they were afraid that they would be judgmental. Other moms would judge them or get back to their kid. And it became this really safe place. And so they start calling it MOTS, moms of kind of like MOPS. That was in Mm -hmm. the churches. It was MOTS, moms of tweens and teens. And then I thought, you know what? It just was growing and growing. And I thought, I'm going to start a website. And so that is how it was born. And it, I started the website. It's been eight years and it's just grown and it's been just an amazing journey. So yeah, I've loved it. It is everyone. so fantastic that that resource is out there. And Cher, I love that it's come from your own need because I think people are going to really relate to that because I know, like you said, people feel, uh, moms there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of feeling like I should know what I'm doing by now. My kid is, you know, 13. How do I not know how to do this? But it's a whole different thing. Parenting a teenager is nothing like parenting a young child. And so we don't know how to do it, but people are afraid to ask for help. So I love that there is a place that was safe for people to go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this. That for me was, was, I would say maybe 65% of it because I got in there and I was shocked at how many moms were struggling with the same thing that I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. And just because of hearing them share their stories and what they were going through, I knew, wow, this is not only me, but this is not all, this isn't just my kid. That right. That this is exactly. really common to where our kids are yeah. at this space, and um, and so that was just helped my anxiety level go down so much as well. Yeah, knowing that you didn't just mess up this child, and <laughs> right that they're going through something that's very natural, and we just misunderstand it a lot, and so we react in a way that doesn't help because we're misunderstanding what's going on to begin with. Absolutely. And I know we are, we're going to talk about overwhelm. And I think that's so much of the overwhelm is what you're talking about is the shame. And we end up blaming ourselves. We think we should know the answers. I I wrote a blog post that let's just all admit we don't know. (laughs) My husband and I used to flip a coin. Like, should we say yes or no, we don't know. <laughs> Let's just flip a coin. I mean, it got down to that because it is a very confusing time. Yeah. And uh, and that can cause so much pressure for us as parents. And then we end up, we don't mean to, but we end up putting that pressure on our kids as well. And so I I agree with all of that. You know, the the shame piece, the over the overwhelm of uh, just feeling like we have to do it right. Let's talk about this overwhelm because I know there's there is so much pressure put on us. Um, just in general, there's pressure to put to have our kids excel in school and excel in sports and be this and that. And we feel it's our responsibility to make sure they're all of that, right? And if they're not agreeing and and cooperating with all the things we need them to do to be the kid that we need them to be, to feel like we're doing a good job. I feel like there that's where a lot of tension comes in, right? Because we're trying to so we're feeling like, oh my gosh, if they're not doing and being the way that I need them to be, I'm failing. How do we address that feeling? What do you have to say about that? Like belief. Yeah. 
That's such a good question. I think that the first thing is just acknowledging that that is a normal way to feel, that we are going to do that sometimes. And the, the key, I think, is recognizing when we're doing it, is that self-awareness, catching ourselves. And that was one of the things that was going on with me with my daughter is it was, I had this belief of if she is struggling with this, this is somehow my fault, and therefore I have to do something to change it. Yes. And just noticing that when I'm still doing it, and my youngest now is 24, and I will do that with, I have three kids, I have a boy in the middle, and I'll just notice I still do that. Like, oh man, are they this way? Because when they were uh, 13, <laughs> I said this to them. You know, it's like, right? I exactly. And so when I, did I break them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I wouldn't have done that, or I would have done this, and I have to go, okay, hold on, hold up, you know, put on the brakes and just recognizing that that is coming in and that we're human. And especially when we have tweens and teens, that, you know, understanding where they're at and understanding where we're at. And I love how you said we've never done this before. It's totally different. And they're in this yeah. huge transition. I mean, they hit the tween years and, and middle school, and all of a sudden, it really is like an alien is living in your house. Like, it felt like that to me anyway. Overnight, yeah. they changed. And it's like, where do I step in? Where do I step out? They don't want me anymore. Oh, now they want me and they love me. They want to cuddle with me. The next day, they hate me. I mean, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning and they love me one day and the next day I say something, they're grunting, they're snarky, they're talking back, I can't say anything right. And they're in this whole pulling away, they still need yeah. you, but then they push back, they want to be their own boss, they know all the answers, yeah. right? But they're trying to figure out who they are. And they don't know how to regulate their emotions. And Oh and gosh, no. Think about us. Like, if you think, like, are you like really great at always regulating the, your emotions? I know for me. Oh, every second of the day. <laughs> Just ask my daughter; she'll tell you. <laughs> so you know. So I think we need to cut ourselves a ton of slack, and our kids too. Yeah, yeah, they're learning. I think that's one of the hard things is we have this assumption that they need to know how to do it now. And if they don't, then that's some flaw in them or some flaw in our parenting rather than saying, okay, if they're not able to do that, that's a sign that they still have to learn it. That's not a sign we failed them or they're failing. It's just a sign of they're something that we still need to teach them, just like math or reading, right? We still need to help them learn emotion regulation, which is way harder than math and reading. Let's be real, right? So how do we as parents reset our expectations of ourselves so that we're not feeling overwhelmed? Because Cheryl, there's so much fear when it comes to parenting. There's fear of our kids' safety. There's fear of doing the wrong thing. There's fear of what other people are going to think. There's just, it, we're burdened with fear. And I think we parent out of fear. How do we get out of that and still feel like 
we're we're doing the right thing and we're we're doing enough parenting. Yes. And now tell me if my I noticed my internet went down a little bit. So just okay. let me know about that if it does. I so agree with you. I just have to pause. I so agree with you about the fear thing. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And we live in a day and age where we're scared about everything. We hear yeah. all the terrible stories. We hear about um yeah, we just hear about it all. And just letting them, you know, go for a ride on their bike can can just cause moms to be f- so fearful. Yeah. And going to the mall, you know, you can feel so scared about your kid going to the mall nowadays because you hear all the stories. So I think acknowledging that, having grace for ourselves in that, and um and so your question was, remind me what your question was. Well, let's let's get to practical because it was a very all-around question, yeah. statement, well, everything. Think, that- you know, okay, great. Thank you. I think that we have to see that fear is very closely related. When we feel fearful, then we want to control. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to make the shift, notice the fear. We need to do some self-talk about what, you know, slow it down. Okay, what am I afraid of right now? What is, usually it's attached to the fortune telling. You know, it's attached to we're afraid that cognitive distortion being being a, a psychologist, I know you're familiar with that, this, uh, this cognitive distortion where we feel afraid, then we're imagining what is going to happen in the future. Yep. And then we catastrophize. And so I think asking myself, what is the story that I'm telling myself is going to happen here? And we often tend to be very black or white, too. So it's, it's very black or white. There's no gray area. And I think the gray is where there's so much opportunity for conversation with our kids and for connection with our kids. And so, for example, if we're afraid of them going to the mall now, of course, depending upon their age, uh, that's going to look different. But okay, you want to do this. You notice you feel afraid. What's the plan? What's the plan? Let me know what the plan is. So so often we're scared. We immediately jump to no. And we want to say no. I find that with the moms that I work with. It's just no, because I'm afraid. I'm thinking this is going to happen versus, okay, let me know your plan. Let's talk about this. Okay. You're 13, not so comfortable. You just going with your friend to the mall at 630 at night. So let's get a different plan. I'll go. I can hang out in the mall, by the store, you know, whatever that looks like, you come up with a plan. So I think we have to say, what do I need here? When I'm feeling afraid, I want to control what can I do that's proactive versus being in that fear and being reactive. Yeah, that reactivity is something we get really stuck in a lot, and that's so emotional driven. And as soon as we get there, we're no longer rational thinkers; we're emotional thinkers, and so we we don't respond in a way that's very effective. Um, and I I see a lot of that, right? And then our kids respond in that emotional place too, and that's where a lot of this back and forth 
gets into play and people become overwhelmed because now there's all this emotion and all these like feelings and people are just like, I don't know what to do with this. So what is something practical that parents can do, moms can do when they're feeling this overwhelm? And I know we're thinking about and noticing it, but once we've noticed it, okay, I'm feeling very overwhelmed right now. What can I do to bring myself back to just baseline or bring myself back to a rational place? Yeah. Well, and I think it depends as you're saying that on what the overwhelm is. Mm. Um, So number one, I think it's, we have to think about like, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. What, what is the, what am I telling myself here? Yeah. So really getting curious. And I like that because curious feels open and expansive and getting curious. Am I putting a lot on my of pressure, like you were talking about in the beginning, a lot of pressure on myself and attaching to what my kid's doing and thinking somehow I have to do something here. And if I don't, this is going to happen. And I wish, you know, it, and it's funny because at this age, I wish that could even work. It doesn't even work. And you talk a lot about this too. The more that we try to control and push and get into that mm-hmm. to, to help ourselves with that overwhelm, the more that tweens and teens are going to push up against it. Yeah. Like homework, you feel overwhelmed. You think your kid, that was one of the things that was happening with me, with my daughter in middle school. She's not doing her homework. She's not doing what she needs to be doing. So therefore I'm controlling. I'm trying to get her. I'm trying to make her. Make her. (laughs) Yeah. And she's strong-willed. It goes up. No, no, not going to do it. So I think with the overwhelm, depending upon what it is, if you're feeling overwhelmed with your parenting, with your kids, a lot of times just stepping back and really thinking about, okay, what belongs to me here? Where am I feeling like I need to, I talk a lot about over-function for my kid, like what belongs in my kid's backpack, what belongs in my Mm -hmm. backpack, and you talk about this like, what can I control, what can't I control, because there's a transfer that's starting to happen. And if we're still getting in there and trying to control things, they're going to push up against that. So what I say is like, think about what you're carrying in your backpack that's overwhelming you. And what can you slowly start giving your kids more responsibility with? Yeah. And then ask them, like, "Hmm, what do you think you're going to do about that? Or what do you want to do that? Or how can I support you? We tell. We tell them. We do tell. Yeah. (laughs) And they love that, don't they? I know. And you notice, (laughs) I always say to moms, notice when the conversation starts shutting down. And Mm -hmm. it's usually we're giving them advice. We're telling them what to do. And then you can see the body language when they're in the car with you and they're like up. You start giving them advice and they they start moving away and then their heads against the glass window and they're just, there's no conversation. Right. And so asking them is much more powerful than telling them. And that is where we have the influence. And then listen, you know, listen to what they have to say. And, And that can be, hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. That, I mean, just that. 
And I think that just yeah. knowing we don't have to always be doing something. I don't know what that comes from. It is the hardest thing I have seen with parents when when the when the guidance is to do less. Parents do not like that response. They want to always do more, do more, do more because they feel like they're doing something and by doing less it just feels like ah, you know, it just feels like you don't have enough control but just as you said, I think when we're feeling overwhelmed, I usually see it when we're trying to control things that isn't ours to control. Yeah. That's when we become overwhelmed and frustrated because we're it's like remote control car. You're <laughs> trying to control them, right? And they're not doing what you're doing. And so that's when we get overwhelmed instead of saying that. And I love the backpack. That is not mine. That is not mine to control. That is theirs. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for parents to accept. I know. It's so hard. And... I want to say, in addition to that, there will be so much better fruit. And it's hard to, be- it's hard to believe that we have to think about if I can allow my kid to make some mistakes, if I can ask them some questions, if I can back up a little bit to notice that your relation and listen more, your relationship will improve. Yeah. They will start talking more. And moms are always amazed that I talk to, and I'm sure you have this too, where they're like, I can't believe they're talking to me more. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're actually, our relationship yeah. is improving. They're, and because they end up, when we're trying to get in there and do and tell, it shuts down and it creates more resistance. Yeah. So I think once we just practice a little bit, I always say do an experiment and try it for two days. And just see what happens. You know, and it does take a while. It's not overnight. But just listening more. For a couple of days, you can start seeing a difference uh, yeah. in, in kids. They're just their body language will start changing if we're not just jumping in there and telling them what they need to be doing. A hundred percent. Teenagers are, have always told me they're reacting towards what they feel is coming at them, not the other way around. So everyone feels like they're reacting to the other person, but the teenager's behavior and shutting down is is always in reaction to how they feel they're being treated. So I think it speaks volumes when they are shutting down to go, oh, wait a second, what are they receiving from me? It's not my intention to have them shut down. So why are they? Right. Yes. And it's like, how, how are they receiving what I'm, what I'm, what I'm putting out there? Cause clearly it's not the way that I want them to. So I need to change how I'm delivering it. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the things that we can control. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that I think is the hardest thing uh, to do actually is like changing how we are reacting. One thing I just want to say, I wish I would have known at the time, and I'm so grateful that they've done all this brain imaging and Mm. seeing what's going on in the teen brain. That would have helped me a lot because our kids' amygdalas are activated. Like their brains develop from the back to the front. So they don't have the, the prefrontal cortex, as you know, it's not fully developed. So they don't have all those reasoning skills. So they experience us as angry a lot of the research shows, and yeah, yep. can we be? Absolutely. But they read like 
I don't know if you've had your kid, your kids say this, but they'll say, why are you yelling at me? You know, or why are you so angry? And, you know, I absolutely could be, and that might be true, but sometimes it's like, they're just reading our facial expressions as negative and reactive and two amygdalas don't work well together that are activated. (laughs) (laughs) They do not. So we do not want to introduce ours into the conversation because it's going nowhere, right? At that point. Yeah, that is that is a hard one. And that would have helped me a lot to go, okay, this is normal. Like she's anxious about her homework. That's why she's yelling. It's not right. Yeah. Yeah. That is very important because those emotions, it's hard for us not to take them personally. And sometimes they are personal. Sometimes they're trying to communicate, please back off or please. But a lot of times when they come in and you ask them how their day and they're like, huh. It has nothing to do with us, right? It's their day was really stressful and they don't want to talk about it. I have days like that too. And I grunt, right? <laughs> so they they just, they have a lot of those days. It's it's hard. So it's, it's hard for us as parents not to take that personally or read it as disrespect, I think is a lot of times what triggers our amygdala is when we read their emotion dysregulation as disrespect. Yes. And then we throw ours into the mix and now it's chaos. Yeah. And I see that that creates overwhelm everywhere. Yes. And to understand, you know, they're not, they don't, they have a lot going on socially right now. They, and so we don't know what kind of day they had. We don't know what kind of text they received from a friend or maybe they're in a, a text chain and, you know, there's stuff going on. We don't know all of that because they're not going to tell. They need more space at this age. So they might not tell us exactly what's going on because they're more private. So we don't know a lot, but we, yet we take it personally uh, yeah. of what third day's been like. Like you said, when we can have a bad day and be grumpy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a few of those days. Yeah. <laughs> when so let's now let's let's go there though. So our kids come home and they're clearly overwhelmed, right? And we see this now. There's so many different ways that we see this. We see it as school refusal now, not doing their homework, doing a, you know, being on their phones a lot, shutting. So we're seeing these kids and their expression of overwhelm. There's a wide variety of it. How can we help them through now that we've now figured out how to manage our own overwhelm? right? That easy. Um, But how do we now help them when they're just, they're overwhelmed? They're losing it. Yeah. Well, I think that the being able to notice the emotions. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that I was not uh, really, I was not in touch with my emotions. I didn't even know how I felt. Yeah. And when I started getting more in touch with my emotions, or even if you would have told me I was angry back then, I would have been, I'm not angry. You know, I, not me. Right. It's my it's my middle schooler that's angry all the time. And so when I started accepting more of my own feelings, got more comfortable, like, yeah, I can be angry too. And so my daughter's got anger, but it's information. And so I think one of the big places that we can start is getting comfortable with what we, you know, will often see as negative emotions. Mm -hmm. So anxiety, 
our kids, you know, they, they may be very anxious. My daughter was really anxious to go to school. Um, she was feeling anxious about her homework and later got diagnosed with ADHD. So there was a lot going on, but that was coming out as a lot of anger. Now, going back to that, when I started getting curious about what was happening with her and was able to reflect back what I was seeing, like you, you look like you're, or you sound like you're feeling really anxious and overwhelmed. Yeah. And then just, just saying that, what are you noticing? I'm noticing you seem like you're, you know, like today was a stressful day. Now they might go, they might not say anything. They might roll their eyes, but you are showing them that you see them and they're quick to correct you. They'll say, no, I'm not. I'm just angry about this. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for telling me that, you know, you're feeling angry about this. So I think first is noticing and getting curious. And so saying, hey, you doing okay? One mom that I work with, she had a son came home. He was coming home a lot angry. Mm. And what she used to do is what I used to do, where it's like, you're being disrespectful, go up to your room, like not okay, go up to your room. And so she, she had taken that approach with them, but instead she started getting curious and she was like, you know, Hey, you seem like you've been coming home. I've just been noticing that you seem angrier. Are you okay? Yeah. And he ended up sobbing. Mm-hmm. He ended up saying, I'm not okay. He opened up to her and he started crying and he had been being bullied mm-hmm. and he'd been being bullied for like a year, yeah. but he hadn't been telling her. And so then she was able, having learned, just listen to listen to him and what was going on and not feel like she had to fix it not feeling like she had to make it all better. And see, that's the part that helped me is saying, okay, I'm noticing I I have anxiety and I'm feeling anxious and being okay, even sitting in that. Because a lot of times when our kids are struggling or all the time, I think they're struggling, we're uncomfortable. So what do we want to do? We want to fix it. Mm -hmm. But what do we need? And think about all of us, if we're in pain, We just don't want to be alone in our pain. That's right. And if we can be a safe place for them and create safety that, you know what, you're not alone. I'm right here. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to right now. I care about you. I love you, but I'm here for you to talk about it. And give some space. I think we have to give a lot more space than we do. And you'd be amazed at how they can come back around and then want to talk about it when they're given that little bit of that space. Yeah. So that's what I, you know, I think that would be the, the main things I would say. Start really just working on trying to listen and create safety, not being judgmental, being okay with feelings. And then how can I, is there anything that I can do to support you? Yeah. I think what I, I what I hear a lot when we talk about you know empathy and validating their feelings and listening, I've been getting more and more of this, especially on TikTok, of people saying, 
that's coddling them, that's turning them into wusses, that's making them weak. What do you have to say to that belief? Because it, I see that belief a lot. And I think that's, that's, it is very common that people are coming with that expression. So mm-hmm. what, what do you have to say mm-hmm. to that? Well, I, I think that's a great point to bring up because I do hear that a lot myself. Mm-hmm. And isn't this coddling? And we could go into, you know, the whole, like how we grew up and how, you know, I didn't do that and all of it. I mean, cause I think I hear that a lot. Yeah. What mm-hmm. I would just say is from my own experience, just personally, not all the moms I've worked with, if we are heavy handed, if we're punitive, if we are trying to make our kids do something, it doesn't yeah. work. It just doesn't work. And it's it's going to create overwhelm. It creates frustration. Um I mean, yes, I do a lot on boundaries. Do we need boundaries? Do we need limits? Yes. But if we're not listening to our kids, if they don't feel heard, that's what creates rebellion. Correct. And I would just say, you know, it may feel that way, but is it working? Is it working for you? (laughs) That's what I like to ask. And a lot of people are like, well, I just haven't found a hard enough punishment or the right consequence. And I think it's like doing more of what's not working doesn't work. And people are very scared, I think. Again, we go back to the fear, the scared of letting, loosening up that heavy hand going, well, now I'm going to look like I'm being walked all over or weak or I don't want to lose control of it when we've never had control over it. it's That's the problem, right? We're consist- consistently trying to gain control, but we never have it. So the more we try to hold on to it, the more resistant they become and the harder it gets. So I think it's very difficult for parents to say, and, and I think this goes in with the overwhelm, is we're saying in a lot of ways we need to do less, which is very difficult for parents to just Except, yeah, it's very counterintuitive. And yeah, I was listening to some of your teachings, and I love and I so agree about that. We tend to focus on the negative, mm. and that, and really, what we focus on grows. And it's like feed, you know, feeding the weed. Someone had said that, and I loved that. Um, we tend to be wired to look at our kids like they're fixer-upper projects, you know, and we notice all the things that they're not doing or all the things they are doing that we don't like versus Mm -hmm. are we really focusing in on who are they? You know, you might have a really strong, somebody listening, a really strong-willed, tough kid, but man, they are so funny. Like your family would not be the same with them without them. Or maybe they're the truth teller in their family. And if there's an elephant in the room, they're going to call it out. Nobody else is, but they, they are. And everybody kind of wants to run for cover, but they're the truth teller, right? So like seeing our kids, we really have to change the lens that we're looking at our kids through and just look for those little teeny things. It might be like, thank you. You brought your glass to the sink, you know, and and moms will say, yeah, do I really have to affirm my kid for doing something they should already be doing? Well, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> you notice. Yeah, it's noticing that because they're not going to keep doing it if you just assume that they're doing it for you, first of all, because they don't care about this, the cup being in the sink. So when they do that, it is 100% for their parent. Yeah. So well, it is nice to notice that. Yeah. Well, and somebody notices something I'm doing and they tell me, wow, they notice it. I'm like, I want to do more of that, right? Yeah. That felt good. Yeah. Because our kids do want to do well. They do oh, want yeah. that positive affirmation from us. So we really have to remember that. Yeah. A lot of times what I hear is they just give up. If we're constantly focused on the negative and overlook or just take for granted the positive, they eventually just give up trying Mm -hmm. and they don't care anymore is what they say, right? I just don't care anymore. And it does, it gets to that feeling of frustration. So when we recognize the positive, they will do more of that. And that's exactly what we're trying to encourage, right? Mm -hmm. So it is, it's, it's basic psychology, but I think a lot of times we don't, We don't plug that into our relationship with our teens. Yes. Yeah. And also, you know, I have this little script and I can even send it to you if you think your listeners would be interested in it, where you, how you start out is you say, I'm noticing, I'm noticing this, if there's like a problem. So I'm noticing that you're, you're playing video games and you're not getting your homework done. Mm -hmm. And then you think very specifically, like, what do you want as a mom? What would you like to have happen? And what don't you like? So I don't like that we're fighting all the time about this. I don't like that I'm going in there nagging you and I'm having to remind you. It doesn't, I don't like myself when I'm doing that. What I do want is for you to make sure you're getting your homework done. And, and how can we do that? And how can we, you know, and I do want you to be able to game. I know you connect with your friends, but here's the thing. I want you to get your homework done too. What do you think we can do to make that happen? So you let them be part of that problem solving. It's big. And then you can talk about it and say, okay. And then that's where there's some flexibility in setting up the limit. All right. So you spend X amount of time on your homework. And then when you get you know, that done, you can go on and game for an hour with your buddies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I have found that formula can be very helpful Yeah, to being able to talk through things and set limits. But really that works when you're talking about the punitive piece, that works a lot better than the just trying to lay down the law yeah. and they don't have any say. That's where you're going to get the pushback and the rebellion. Well, the laying down the law is about control and the script that you just provided is about teaching and coaching. And that's, that's what discipline's supposed to be, right? It's like teaching. Yes. And so that's about teaching them how to problem solve and how to think through, which ultimately is far more important than the A on the test is that A on the test is not going to do anything for them in the workforce, but knowing how to problem solve wow, that's going to help them big time, right? So we take away their ability to develop the skill of problem solving to make sure they get the A. And now we've just robbed them of learning in a really critical skill. And I I think we've got to kind of switch what we're focusing on and what we're prioritizing. Yes. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of it too. Mm -hmm. So Cheryl, we could talk about this for, I know, days, I can tell. Um, 
What is one key takeaway that you want parents to walk away with from this episode? Mm. <laughs> you can have three. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> um, I, you know, looking back um, at, you know, especially what I was going through with my youngest, or my oldest, rather, um, so much of what I worried about, what I fought with her about, what I argued with her about, it didn't matter now. You know, yeah. it's like just having the long view and, and really what matters is our relationship with our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is key. And so if your relationship with your kid, your listening is what I, I like the term inflamed, you know, and focus on that, focus on the relationship. And there's a really popular blog post I um, wrote called Healing Grace, you know, how our kids need healing grace. And people are like, what does grace mean? And it's just that that permission to make mistakes, that we're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. our kids are going to make mistakes. Yeah. Allowing them to be in the process of trying to figure themselves out. And we're trying to figure ourselves out a lot, but, you know, I, I think mean, that's a lifelong thing, yes, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> figuring out who we are. And if we're focusing more on the negative, it's like so much of that doesn't end up mattering. No. And that's one of the reasons I'm grateful that my kids are older now because, you know, now I know all those deposits of the positive, the fun, the laughter, the making memories. It wasn't the grades. It wasn't, I mean, I have a son, you know, he was a star athlete. He ended up getting drafted, he plays baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a star athlete and student and all of that. He's not playing anymore. Not in that mattered. I mean, yeah, was that really fun? And did that feel great? <laughs> yeah, it was great. But None of that matters in the yeah. big spectrum, you know, scheme of things. It's it's who we are and it's mm-hmm. being in relationship with each other. And um, that's what really matters. That's what lasts a lifetime and beyond. So um, I say we just need to clear through all that clutter and really think about what really matters and what are we focused on. I love that. And we're going to end with that because I think that is an enormously important takeaway. So Cheryl, how do people find you? Well, thank you. And uh, I would say go to the website. That's probably the best place to go. It's momsoftweensandteens.com. Perfect. And uh, I am the same everywhere. On Facebook, it's Moms of Tweens and Teens. On Instagram, it's Moms of Tweens and Teens. Um, they can email me at Cheryl with an S S H E R Y L at moms of tweens and teens.com. And I would love to hear, hear from your listeners. Oh, absolutely. You have so much wisdom and just empathy and grace to give to. And I know parents really crave that as well. So I, I really am grateful that you're out there helping everyone. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you, Dr. Cam. And I'm very grateful for the work that you're doing too. Thank you. 
And parents, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you too. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button and forward it to a friend. And until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Don't forget to hit follow so you don't miss a single episode and share the love by passing this on to a friend. Until next time, keep making a positive impact in your teen's life.